Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to the Ghibliotech, the podcast that picks through the parade of films from the world's greatest animation studio, Studio Ghibli. I'm Michael Leder, and I've seen the lot of them. And I'm Jake Cunningham, and I'm pouring my way through them too. So join us in our quest into the glorious world of Ghibli. Oh, Jake, we're returning once more into the Ghibliotech. Yes, it's it's good to be back. I mean, we don't want to give listeners a peek behind the curtain too much, but we have actually been away from our basement under the stairs for a few weeks. <laughs> and it's, it's lovely to be sat in front of you and sat with a guest as well. Yes, exactly. Let's welcome Ayanna Murray to the episode. Hello. Welcome, it's good Ayanna. To be Thank here. you for joining us. Um, so... So just for the benefit of the audience, who are you? Well, I'm Ayana. Um, I'm a freelance film writer based in Scotland mostly. Um, and I write for um, a blog called Much Ado About Cinema. And I also write for The Skinny. Mm-hmm. We're keeping a tradition going where we need a Scottish contributor yes. every season. Yes. So you're following on from Robbie Collin. So you can, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. big shoes or tall shoes to fill. Yeah, and as with Robbie, where we got into his origin story of Studio Ghibli, we'll do the same with you. (laughs) Um, But maybe best to reveal what we're going to be talking about today. Yes, so this is the first and only Ghibli sequel that we're talking about today. Kind of sequel, pseudo sequel. Mm. It's The Cat Returns. Yeah. (laughs) Should we crack on with it, Jake? Let's do it. High school girl Haru's life takes an unexpected turn after one day saving a cat from being hit by a car. It turns out that the cat is actually a prince, and his father, the king of cats, wants to show Haru his gratitude by allowing her to marry the prince and become princess of the cat kingdom. Held against her will in the kingdom, Haru starts to develop feline features, but two heroes step in to assist her, the mammoth mog Muta and the dashing Baron. So, Michael, a few episodes ago, you teased me about a Porco Rosso sequel, The Last Sortie, and it never came about. And Porco Rosso is definitely one of my one of my faves that we've covered here. And Whisper of the Heart, certainly one of my faves as well. One of my faves. And now we've got a sequel to it. And I need to know more about how this happened. So this is, it seems that every episode I say that it's a funny production story. 
this one is probably the funniest. So take, let me take you back to 1999. A proposal comes to Studio Ghibli from a Japanese theme park, and they want a 20-minute short film all about cats. So this is very already mirroring Porco Rosso. Exactly. But instead of Japan Airlines, it's, it's a theme park. Miyazaki hears, gets wind of this short film idea, and he comes in and says, hey, wouldn't this be a great opportunity to make a sequel to Whisper of the Heart? And he says, I want three um, aspects of Whisper of the Heart to be reflected in this short film. I want Muta, the big, massive cat that... Uh, if you, you remember from Whisper the Heart, terrorizing the dog sitting there on the on, on the on the fence. He wants the Baron to be in there. Baron von Gickingen, the, the statue that comes to life and goes on da- uh, daring do adventures. And he wants the antique shop location to come back. So he brings back Aoi Hiragi, the manga artist who created Whisper the Heart, and asks her to write the sequel, The Cat Returns, um, with the idea for it to be made into a short story, almost within the universe of Whisper of the Heart. It's almost the short story that the main character from Whisper of the Heart would write herself. Yeah, the lead in this is not the lead of Whisper. No, but the universe, is, there's a, this is a fantasy world. Whisper of the Heart was set in the real world with imagination, uh, providing that flight of fantasy. Whereas here, this is a fantasy world, almost as if imagined by the characters from Whisper of the Heart. This is nice and convoluted, isn't it, Jake, for a 20-minute long short film. But anyway, the theme park project was shelved and it but it was still being kicked around Ghibli for a few years um and that's where Hiroyuki Morita comes in who was he wasn't a Ghibli veteran so so to speak he'd worked on My Neighbours the Yamadas the Yasao Takahata film that we may get to one day on this we'll podcast um he'd been around making anime for years he'd worked on Akira I think that was his first credit imagine that being the first project you worked on but he was working at Ghibli and he came to the project but in the process of planning, putting storyboards together, writing a script, this was too big to be a 20-minute short film. Again, maybe some uh, jogging your memory with Porco Rosso yeah, there. for sure. Um, and also the, the idea of the theme park getting involved and that makes me think of Pompoco as well. Interesting. And how a theme park comes in as the big bad, in a way, in that film. Both on and, and off screen. Yeah, exactly. and then here, Miyazaki's all about get, get the theme park involved. Yeah. But... So Marita has this way ambitious idea for the, for the film, way too big for 20 minutes. And Toshio Suzuki, the man, the man behind Ghibli, as, as far as we're concerned, he thinks that this should be bumped up to a theatrical feature release. And he goes to Miyazaki and he says confidently, this will be, will be a hit. And Miyazaki's like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, w- once again, we've talked about a few of this series. Once again, it's a film by this younger generation of Ghibli animators making their feature debuts. We talked about um, you know, Yoshifumi Kondo with Whisper of the Heart in the, in the last series, and for Arietti we had Hiramasa Yonobayashi. We've not yet got to Goro Miyazaki, Hir- Miyazaki's son, who around this time was also coming onto the scene at Ghibli. But when, when, I, when I say younger generation, I'd, I'd like to share their ages, these directors, when they're making their first feature. So Marita was 38 when this film was released. Hiramasu Yonobayashi was 37 when Arietti came out. Goro Miyazaki, 39. Yeah, they're not exactly Xavier Dolan. No, they're not Wunderkinds. They're, they're, they've been around for a long time. They've paid their dues. Um, but when this film finally came out, Cat Returns, it was mm. a pretty good box office hit, if not a, a smash. It was seventh highest grossing film of the year overall in Japan, behind... Let's let's do this. Number one was Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets, Star Wars Attack of the Clones, Monsters Inc., 
Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Spider-Man, and Ocean's Eleven. What a year at the box that office. That's so good. And then The Cat Returns just nestles in there, just in the, inside the top ten. Um, Hiroki Marita made this film and went back to being an animator. He worked on the Ghibli co-production of The Ghost in the Shell, Innocence, and worked on Tales from Earthsea, which we'll get to eventually, the Goro Miyazaki movie. And he's still just jobbing animator now. He hasn't really gone on and made many features since. So it's just this one-and-done sort of filmmaker. Uh, but what's interesting about Cat Returns is because it's the film that Ghibli released almost directly after um, Spirited Away. It comes out in the UK in 2005 on DVD. It plays at London Film Festival before that. It does the international rounds. It's almost the second film many people saw after Spirited Away. And interestingly, it comes out internationally before Whisper of the Heart gets full-blown international distribution. So many people think that this... Well, have no idea that this is a sequel. Have no idea it has a connection to the film in the catalogue. Yeah. The returns aspect, what does that even mean? I've got to know what that would be like to come to this film without knowing about Whisper of the Heart. It's funny you should say that, Jake. So, Ayana, this is your approach to the Cat Returns. Yeah. So tell us about your Ghibli memories and how you got to the Ghibli and how the Cat Returns focuses in on that. Um. Well, I guess I was introduced to... Ghibli when I was around 10 or 11. Um, my best friend, shout out to Natalie, if you're listening, um, but she's um, an artist and an animator and she's been like obsessed with Ghibli her whole life, basically. Um, and so she introduced me to Spirited Away first. And when I saw Spirited Away, my mind was just completely blown. Like, I'm a 98 baby, so like at that time I was watching High School Musical and stuff and I'd never seen anything like Spirited Away before um so yeah we watched Spirited Away together and then uh she said to me you have to watch all the movies Ghibli has ever made my favorite ones are Kiki's Delivery Service and The Cat Returns so those were the three that kind of introduced me to the world of Ghibli. Such a fascinating routine isn't yeah. it? You know we talk all the time about how there's this top tier of movies, Spirited Away, Mononoke, yeah, know, Totoro, Totoro, Fireflies, and, uh, but I, that Cat Returns, I would, it would, <laughs> I, I just would never have even come to me at all. I just feel like I never heard anyone even talk about it, uh, let alone it be a part of your formative entry into this world. Um, but obviously, that like you can't help in those situations to love it. Like, like I love the day after tomorrow because it was one of the first DVDs that I bought. And it's because I didn't have that many and you just rotate those films and you grow to love it and almost can't uh, comprehend any critical reception to it. I'll have no bad words spoken about it tomorrow on this podcast. It's one of my <laughs> dad's favourite movies. Oh, it's a total dad It film. has Manchester United in there, Rude Van Nistelrooy scoring against Boca Juniors. It's a classic <laughs> moment of cinema for all the concerned. It really but is. it's The Cat Returns, a classic cinema moment for all concerned. Shall we talk about this review? Let's do it. Let's go to it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So Jake, we always, in these reviews, start off with what's different. What's interesting, Ayana, is that maybe you didn't have a sense of what was Ghibli style at this point when you were watching that. But it'd yeah. be great. Let's talk about, I think what's so different about this film is that the animation style, the character designs are so unlike a Miyazaki movie or any of the Takata films. Did that strike yeah, you, Jake? Yeah, I mean, that, that is the first thing that I took notice of. Um, you've got thicker lines, harder edges, sharper angles. Uh, the people seem like they've been put on one of those medieval torture devices and stretched out uh, <laughs> right. uh, compared to any of the other ones that I've seen before. It's a, lot, it's a leaner film mm-hmm. in that respect. Um, you've got uh, these, these uh, backgrounds that are detailed, realistic, mm-hmm. and like, uh, but then the people dropped into them are a lot more cartoonish. Yeah. And I think, as you said in the context, this is almost like a fairy tale within a fantasy mm-hmm. Uh and I think the style is really leaning into that, that it's, it doesn't have that connection to reality that Whisper does. Not at all. Um, it's, so, it's so different. And Marita, you say the backgrounds, he was very keen on going and taking photographs of actual Tokyo and basing it on documentary realism, which of course only goes so far because before we know it, we're off in a fantasy cat kingdom. Uh, but the, um, the connections with Whisper of the Heart I find so fascinating because... Miyazaki comes in and says he wants these three aspects to be reflected in the film. And the antique shop is only there in the beginning shot, right? Yeah. Um, And I had issue with that beginning shot because it did that really annoying thing where it felt like in the edit they they suddenly needed to remind everyone that this was coming on from Whisper of the Heart because the first shot of the film then appears like 15 minutes later as if you've forgotten about it Mm -hmm. already. Uh, And it just felt like... They needed to jog people's memory a bit. And I feel like if you are hoping to get an audience who doesn't know anything about this, actually it would have been better to set up the world without any nods to whisper or anything like that and actually start with Haru and establish her first Mm. and then kind of gradually step into the Cat Kingdom world rather than teasing up Baron at the start. But is that our bias, maybe, that we are expecting that going into this film, having seen and loved Whisper of the Heart? Was that an issue for you seeing that, Ayana? Well, see, because I saw the characters first, and I I didn't see Whisper of the Heart until very recently, like last year, maybe. So the opening shot was just, it was very interesting to me because it's completely shrouded in mystery. I had no idea what I was getting into. And as well, 
it feels very dramatic. Uh, like it has this um, epigraph at the beginning where it's this quote and you're like, what am I going into? But it takes a radically different turn when you actually get into the story. So I wasn't really, I had nothing to compare it to. So to me, it was just a completely original film. Yeah, and I suppose with that setup, a title like that and then the the actual name of the film, The Cat Returns, there's a lot going on to try and hook you and tease you mm. in there. Because like if you like yourself, if you don't know who the cat is and now he's returning, mm-hmm. who is he? And I need to learn about this cat to learn about why it's so important that he returns. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let, let's go into as well as the ant- and the antique shop itself doesn't actually have much uh, screen time in here. Well, exactly. A lot of importance. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it seems to, it's definitely taken on a almost Shrek-like fairy tale feel inside the shop compared to how it looked in Whisper as well. Mm-hmm. Again, that it, it felt like a, a working space, mm-hmm. which it no longer is. Um, and then Muta and Baron, I felt were quite a big distortion of who they were presented in Whisper. Yeah. But it's it's quite confusing to try and view this film through two lenses. Like There's the lens that we're coming at it from of knowing Whisper of the Heart and coming off of 10 films before us and then me having to jump into this one. Um, but obviously, as with so many sequels in a kind of Marvel Universe mm-hmm. way that we're in now, they have that constant battle of we need to set this up for new audiences and old audiences. And perhaps the changes to Muta and Baron helped new audiences mm. like Anna. Yeah, I think what's refreshing about The Cat Returns is, you know, when it usually comes to sequels, you're required to do all your homework before it and understand the entire world around it so you can understand all these little references. But The Cat Returns, to me, just completely works on its own and you don't really need to see Whisper of the Heart to enjoy it. Mm. So, yeah. Not at all. As we're speaking, I'm wondering whether that opening shot of the antique shop is almost like the opening of a storybook. Because if it's a story within the imaginative space of the the character from Whisper of the Heart, all we need is that ification. Does the antique shop exist in Harry's world? I mean, this is going way deep. Well, I mean, yeah. If if (laughs) she's writing stories, let's say all of her stories involve Baron the cat and they all start at the antique shop and then that's page one of all the books. And Mm -hmm. this is just book one in the ongoing series that she's writing from within the world of Whisper (laughs) of the Heart. Um, But I can appreciate how the changes to Muta and Baron then, um, because Muta is quite elusive, silent, uh, in Whisper is just this... A real cat. Yeah. uh, Teasing dogs and just a bit of fun side character. And here is given a voice and a backstory and all of this. Uh, and Baron is given a lot more to do mm-hmm. as well. And I had a hard time accepting those. And in the same way that, like, they felt like a bit of Boba Fett in the Star Wars prequels to me because I loved what those characters were in Whisper of the Heart. And I can't unsee this film. Like, as soon as I've watched this, it's like when you see the film of something and then read the book, you mm-hmm. can't not 
imagine those faces as the people in the book, no matter if you don't want to. That's why it's a tough time being a His Dark Materials fan. Um, and I, I just didn't like having this new information because I love Muta for being what they are. A cat that gets the, gets the train, wanders around, terrorizes <laughs> dogs, gets a free ride and a bike, yeah. all sorts, yeah. It is, there, is an, there is an element of that. You know, what's amazing about Whisper of the Heart is it is full of mystery and these little references that you could then... You know, it's just everyday life, but it's filled with so much magic. Mm. And here, it's almost like X-Men Origins, Wolverine telling you how Wolverine got his leather jacket. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but something I really did like in it, and we actually had a similar conversation with Pompoko in our key scenes. Uh, we got another parade. Mm. There's a fantastic cat parade in this film, uh, which also introduces us to the Cat King, mm -hmm. uh, who's a fantastic character. <laughs> uh, this mangy, wild boy just uh... looks nothing like any cat. So we spoke <laughs> about the cat in Arietti uh, last week, which again was animated like no other Ghibli cats. And but the Cat King, I think he's up there for me. Yeah, all time top five. What do you think, Johanna? Good cat. He's a great cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with his bulging eyes out in all directions. I love the the design of all the cats. They they bring a lot of personality to every character. Like my favorite in the parade is like actually the the cat bodyguards and yes. they make them into tuxedo cats <laughs> and then they, they just run up and chuck all the all the stray cats over fences i thought they were just hilarious yeah yeah this parade i don't know um there's perhaps more of a tradition in japan of parades and the importance that they have because um in pompoko it's it's like this completely magical fantastical thing that uh just happens on a on a regular street and it's in that film people are meant to be in awe and wonder of it and then kind of forget about it afterwards and it, in here again it's just happening at night mm. regular street all these cats appear and again not really much seems to happen afterwards other than to our main character mm -hmm, mm. Uh, and i like the idea that all of these films are taking place in worlds where yeah we'll just chuck a parade on <laughs> why not that's the way to get someone's attention yeah one person's attention is to throw a parade yeah. But then we we make it to the Cat Kingdom, which is where almost the, the genre of the movie comes through. I think this is, we talk all the time about the Western uh, fairy tale literary tradition and its influence on Ghibli. This is such an Alice in Wonderland story. She goes, walks down an alleyway, finds herself in this hinterland between the Cat Kingdom and the real yes, world. I, I really like how she gets there yeah. um, because it's not through a magical portal. It is within the city. You just, if you, it's like, and it's got that great spirit of adventure that you would give to a, a kid, uh, like in a children's book, that if you walk the streets of London for long enough, you'll be able to find the right alley and get into the Cat Kingdom. Yeah, it's very much like Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere, which is a reference I'll drop, but maybe will fall on deaf ears <laughs> in this room. Uh, I'm sure someone out there will share my love of that book and TV series. Uh, but I'd love to know what you think about the, the tone of this film, uh, Jake. It's a, something a little different. Marita's storytelling uh, vibe is ever so slightly different from Miyazaki. Mm. It's still this adventure going to a strange world populated with all sorts of crazy characters and a, and a female character at the heart. But there are some things that are just slightly off-model for me. Yeah, well, like the, the main thing, in the grand scheme of things, not a big point to make, really. But there's this idea of coolness in the film, which we've seen 
kind of deconstructed in stuff like uh, Howl and Spirited Away. Um, and this idea of pursuing coolness and pursuing a cool person. Uh, and rather than kind of deconstructing what that is or learning about your own independence and that importance, here is it's just good to be cool. Uh, and, and, and the Baron is cool. Yeah, and she she says he's not only a cat, he's cool. I thought all cats were cool. They're cool cats. It's cool for cats. Yeah, but he's also we, he's also just the most uncomplicated hero. He's almost a Mary Sue, mm. uh, in, in that that trope of a of a character who has every power and every uh, every attribute required for a situation. He's almost perfect, mm. but he's he is cool. I mean. Stepping back from the film, personally, I think he is the coolest of, of all Ghibli characters. The Baron. Of all Ghibli characters, the Baron is the coolest. He's a cool cat. Yeah, if I want to dance with somebody, if I, if I have to dance with somebody over in the ballroom, I dance with him. <laughs> if I need somebody to save me from a bunch of marauding cat villains, I'd, I'd, I'd turn to him. If I'm going to jump into the air and fly away yeah. magically, I'd like him to hold my hand. Ayana, was the, was the Baron somebody that struck a chord with you? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I quite like the Baron. But um, <laughs> um, I I was thinking about, it kind of has this damsel in distress vibe mm. that in The Cat Returns. But so I didn't appreciate that because usually in the film, Baron the Baron just comes in and saves her and everything's great. But also um, Haru... It kind of reinvents the damsel in distress in a way because Haru saves herself in a way because um, there are these flashbacks where, you know, she saves the cat by feeding her and um, that comes uh, comes back to bite later when um, she's about to be forced to marry the prince, but this cat, but this cat comes in, and uh, the prince is like, "No, I'm marrying her instead." And the only reason she's there is because of Haru's selflessness. And um, so, yeah, uh, I really appreciated that. Yeah, we'll get to the ending in a second, yeah. but uh, but but Ayana, especially after watching *Spirited Away* and *Kiki's Livery Service*. Which have two very Miyazaki heroines in the center mm-hmm. who maybe are scared by the wide world around them but have to rise to meet meet with it. I find Haru a little bit slapsticky. She falls over a lot in this film. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you what do you think of Haru? There's some there's a weird uh, boy drama side plot to it, which like why was it there in the first yeah. place? <laughs> and it's not addressed after. And then there's also this weird. She starts getting a crush on the Baron and like, well, like um, I'm yeah. sure Michael would be yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think um, the car returns is different in that it feels a bit more accessible to kids in a way. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a bit Disney-fied because it has these uh, like sight gags and slapstick humor. But um, not to say that kids aren't smart enough to. Uh, understand something like Spirited Away, but um, I think it works as a good entry point. It is, yeah. Um, like something like Spirited Away, you would maybe, as as you did watch at the same age, but maybe with Spirited Away, you're more into it for these, as the film is made up of individual segments in a way, that you're just propelled by the motion mm. of it, by uh, 
that constant moving forward uh, rather than what's actually happening, who the characters are, just because the whole film is so engaging. Yeah. Um, whereas this, it's 75 minutes long, it's easy to follow, it's quite bright, it's cartoonish. As an entry point for younger viewers into Ghibli, I can see why that really works. And that means it falls back on some storytelling um, functions that Miyazaki had left behind by this point. Um, from Princess Monoki onwards, he creates these, Pocahontas onwards even, he creates these complex worlds where fighting doesn't solve things. Whereas this is definitely a swashbuckling adventure where there's a, a, a climactic duel between the Baron and, and, and the King and it's all you know, fighting soldiers and so on. That's the solution. It's not some sort of internal solution. There is that, of, of course, what you mentioned, Ayanna, about the the lucky happenstance that the, the the prince's actual betrothed is a cat that she oh fed God. years ago <laughs> yeah. when, when she was astray. This, this is another this great is, Ghibli ending, isn't I, it? This is like taken all of the others and made made them look like just normal endings. <laughs> uh, like we've I'm, we've had the conversation about oh this film really doesn't stick the landing uh, a few times now. This is this is like not sticking the landing, falling over. And like collapsing into the crowd, it's it's a horrible ending. <laughs> um, because like in we spoke in Porco Rosso about how at that point they suddenly became these like jazz animators that will find the story as we go along, uh, and somehow that works, and that spirited way and like came out of that way of doing mm. things. This feels like the time where that really didn't work mm. because the story goes along in a way that. Like when a child tells a joke and they've forgotten to put <laughs> put bits in. Oh, that's like, cruel. <laughs> but, but when a child tells tells a story like that and he says, "Oh, but you need to know that actually uh, earlier in the day uh, someone said this to me." Right, and then we're back to now. Um, and then the cat did this. Um, oh, but you've got to remember that um, actually he's a prince. Um, <laughs> uh, and then it crams all of this into about two minutes mm-hmm. at the end. And I was completely lost and it just felt like putting a plaster over so many loose ends that actually I didn't care about anyway. Do you not care about Muta being the great terrifying terrorist who <laughs> ate all of the food? There's someone called Ronaldo Moon and the best thing about that is Ronaldo Moon's name. <laughs> yeah. Did the ending work for you, Ayanna? Did, did, did that feel different to the other films to you? Or as you've grown older, do you think of it differently or anything? I mean, I look back on The Cat Returns fondly, mm-hmm. but I think just my experience of this was how I got into Ghibli mm-hmm. has shaped the way I see The Cat Returns. So I completely understand, but also my heart still hurts yeah. <laughs> attacking my beloved film. But let's, let's end on a positive note. Is there anything that we've forgotten to mention that you would you know, point to and say, this is what's great about The Cat Returns. I really love the score to the film. Um, it The film opens with this very dramatic overture and um, it really adds to the whole mystery of the film. I guess if you watch Whisper of the Heart first, it's not really mysterious, but to me, that really brought me into the film. And uh, every track in the score is so radically different from the last and it was just really interesting and eclectic eclectic uh i can't even say that word but um and there's this great track um when they have the uh ball or dinner party scene and um it sounds like 
the theme song to The Apprentice uh, by Prokofiev, but it's just so good. It's a great score. I love it. A good score. Okay. Yeah, That's I mean, certainly better than Ariatis. <laughs> oh, okay. we have had comments on the Ariati score. Anyway, let's go put this on the leaderboard. Let's do it. And now it comes to that time where we've got to figure out where this film goes on Michael Leader's leaderboard. Now, is The Cat Returns going to take the number one spot? I'll be shocked if it does, but I'm fascinated to find out where it's going to sit, Michael. You know, Jake, there's almost something, there's appropriate symmetry today. Yes. Because Whisper of the Heart is top, and unfortunately The Cat Returns is bottom of the leaderboard. Only because I think that the wisdom and the idiosyncrasies and the stylish flair that I come to Ghibli for is missing from this film. It's fine. It's a, it's a good slight fantasy adventure. As you say, short and sweet. Um, a great entry point, very simple. But it's just not what I come to these films for. So it's at the bottom of the table currently. I think that's fair, I've got to say. Yeah. Ayanna, I, I, I apologize so much that we've been kicking yeah, breaking the your heart. memories to, to death today. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but would, would this be up there for you? Do you have any other favorites in the Ghibli canon? Do you know what? The Cat Returns isn't actually one of my favorites. Like I, I do look back on it fondly, but in comparison to the rest of, the, of Ghibli's filmography, it's not the best. Um, but I think my favorite is a quite out there pick. I really love um, Miyazaki's uh, supposed swan song, uh, The Wind Rises. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really interesting film in that it takes a biopic and completely turns it on its head and makes it into this fantasy film. And yeah, I I loved it so much. Yeah, it's I a think it's film. an incredible film. Mm-hmm. And it's twice as long as uh, The Cat Returns, Jake. So not one for the short. Yeah, short but I've heard it's rent. about planes. Exactly. And I've heard there's a lot of blue and green in it. There's so, so there's much a, blue and a green. lot of my boxes already being ticked. And after Porco Rosso, knowing how much you enjoyed that, I think you will take a lot from this film. Excellent. When we make, when we get to it, whenever yeah. we get to it. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, Ayanna, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, how can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Suspiriana. Um, the pun doesn't fit the pronunciation of my name, but there you go. <laughs> it's a great pun. Yeah. <laughs> we'll never let pronunciation get in the way of a good pun. No, never. And both to you and the listeners, we hope you've enjoyed your time in the Ghibliotech. Um, what are we talking about next week, Mike? Oh, next week we're back with Hayao Miyazaki for Ponyo, uh, a, a great kid movie slash epic slash disaster movie. So much going on. Yes. And a tight 90 as well, I think. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, finally, we've got to say a big thanks to Silk Factory for their help making this podcast. We're recording uh, here in their studio in lovely Soho. Yes, and they don't just make pon- podcasts. They're a full-blown film marketing creative agency. They also make trailers and content for TV, digital, and social platforms. Yeah, uh, if you want to find a bit more about them, you can check out their website at thesilkfactory.co. And that wraps up this week's episode of Ghibli Attack. Until the next time, you can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake H. Cunningham. And you can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael J. Leader. Ghibli Attack is a Little Dot Studios production. We record at Silk Factory. Our music is made by Anthony Ng. Our artwork is by Sophie Moe. And Steph Watts helps us out with all of our GIFs, images, and anything else we post online. 
The show is produced by Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham, Steph Watts, and Harold McShiel. That's me. I do the voiceover for the credits as well. Hi everyone, thank you for sticking with us through the credits. We often talk about directors on Jibliotech, but I feel this is a nice opportunity to highlight the screenwriter behind The Cat Returns, that's Reiko Yoshida. Um, this was her only credit for Ghibli, but she's since gone on to work on many notable anime series and films. I'll highlight two of them in particular, uh, two of the best anime features of the last couple of years. She worked on Masaki Yuasa's Lou Over the Wall and Naoko Yamada's A Silent Voice. A Silent Voice being, I think, the first animated film from Japan released internationally directed by a woman. It's brilliant. Go and check it out. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.